Well, hey there, welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us. If this is your first time listening or you'd just like to reach out, feel free to shoot me an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd be glad to talk with you. We're on week three of a series called Rooted, where we're exploring how to become more deeply rooted in our faith. This week, our senior minister, Doc Pattison, teaches about the importance of growing together. Specifically, we look at the role that we, as the church, play in growing our kids and students to become Christ-driven, 24-7 Jesus followers. Let's get started. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I pray that you would be rooted. These are two of my grandsons. This is Jackson, and this is Stephen. <laughs> Let's say it's all true. Let's say there really is a God. And let's say that Jesus really was the Son of God who came into the world to die for our sins. Let's say God really did raise Jesus Christ from the dead. It really happened. And then God offered eternal life to anybody who would call Jesus their Lord and Savior. And let's say that life really does work best when a person does life with God, for God, God's way. And let's say that after we die, there's a judgment day. Every single one of us is going to stand before God. Heaven and hell is at stake. Now, picture your kids or your grandkids at that moment, and they're standing before God. For me, that's my daughter, Alethea, my son, Andy, my grandkids, Morgan, Stephen, Jackson, Caden, Aubrey. And they're standing before God. And this day is going to decide heaven or hell for them. And let's say that what they did with Jesus, whether or not they were a serious Jesus follower or not, that will decide their eternity, heaven or hell. And I understand that what happens on that day is going to be determined by their decisions, not mine. I cannot choose Jesus for my kids. I can't choose Jesus for my grandkids. Every single one of them is going to have to choose for himself or herself. But I can do everything inside my power to prepare them for that moment, which is the single most important moment of their life. Do you believe that? I can do whatever I can short of sin to start them on a path towards Jesus or not. Let's say it's all true. And I know some of you guys aren't sure, and you're welcome here. And I know some of you guys are hoping for loopholes, and you're welcome here too. But let's say it's true. Could there be anything more important to me as a parent or a grandparent than to prepare these guys for that moment? 
I mean, I'd love for both of these guys to do well in school and sports. I, I hope they have a great childhood, to know that they're loved, to have solid friends, to grow into good, strong men. And I'd love for both of these guys to find a good, God-honoring mate, to build marriages that are going to bring them the kind of strength and joy that God meant for them to have. And I'd love for both of these guys to be successful as working men, to make some kind of difference in their slice of the world. That's the kind of stuff that all of us want for our kids and our grandkids, right? And we're committed to do whatever we can to make those things so. See, I, I know that's the way you are. I know that you're doing whatever you can to help your kids succeed in school, in sports. I know that you're going to try to steer them and counsel them as they date and marry. I know that you're going to do whatever you can to give their, your kids a leg up when it comes to their careers. That's what good parents do. But are you? Are you doing anything short of sin to prepare them for the single biggest moment of their life when they're going to stand before God and heaven and hell are in the balance? Are you? Listen, guys, if our kids are great in school, great in sports, have great friends, build great marriages, have great careers, and then walk away from God, especially if I haven't done anything short of sin to keep them from walking away from God. How am I doing? Thanks, guys. Let's sit down. I'm afraid I'm going to make some of you guys pretty uncomfortable this morning, maybe even irresponsibly so. And I don't mean to be melodramatic. I've been preaching here for nearly 24 years, and I doubt that I ever have been as blunt as I will be this morning. I believe passionately about what I'm going to say, and a lot of pastors do, but we're not usually so blunt for fear of pushing you away. Sometimes God's truths are hard. His grace is exquisite, but sometimes his truth can be hard. We're going to try for both of them this morning. Now, I'd like to kind of start out with a little bit of a history lesson. I've got to tell you that I'm drawing a little bit of this history lesson from memory, what I was taught in Bible college about 45 years ago. So it's a little bit fuzzy. See, churches haven't always had Sunday schools. Did you know that? Sunday schools were started in England in the late 1700s. There were no public schools yet, and a lot of the poorer kids had to work six days a week. So some of the churches started Sunday schools to teach the poorer kids literally to read and write on the only day that they had off. Of course, they'd use the Bible as their textbook, so they'd cultivate Christian values as well. By the mid-1800s, Sunday schools were just a normal thing in both England and, the, and in America. I mean, even after there were public schools, it was still normal to send the kids to Sunday school. Public schools would teach the reading and writing. The church schools, Sunday schools would teach the Christian basics. But the whole idea of Sunday schools actually made some of us pastors nervous. We weren't sure they would be entirely good. Of course we wanted our kids to read and write, and we wanted our kids to learn the basics of the faith. But here's what we were afraid of. We were afraid that parents would hand over the responsibility of cultivating Christian values to the church. We were afraid that parents would think it's the church's job to teach our kids to be Jesus followers, not ours. 
And we pastors knew that the church could never be as powerful an influence on our kids as our parents and our grandparents. Now, I've been told that pastors, some of us pastors, were a bit nervous when churches started hiring youth ministers for exactly the same reason. But I know there's a great case to be made for youth ministers. We want to do our best to help our parents raise Jesus-following kids, and we want to be there for kids whose parents aren't getting the job done. We want to try to do anything short of sin to prepare them for that face-to-face with God because we believe literally that heaven and hell are in the balance. But my understanding is that this whole idea of youth ministers kind of made some senior pastors like me nervous. Not because youth guys tend to be weird, which they are, but because we were afraid that if we did that, parents would even hand over more of their responsibility for raising solid Jesus-following kids to the church. And we couldn't replace them. But we hired them anyway because so many kids have parents who are simply not preparing them for that face-to-face with God. And we believe that heaven and hell are in the balance. So here at Capital City, we have kids ministers and student ministers and youth groups and youth worship because we want to help Christian families raise solid Jesus-following kids and because we want to do whatever we can to reach kids whose parents are not getting the job done. Because these are all God's kids and the stakes are too high. But sometimes we fear that people are going to get the wrong idea. Listen, guys, perfectly honest. Raising God-honoring Jesus-following kids is your job, not ours. All we can do is help. The most powerful influence on your kid's life with God is going to be your model Your model. After that, the most powerful influence is going to be what you teach and how you parent. We can help. We're going to try to help. But we cannot successfully replace parents or grandparents in growing solid Jesus-following kids. It's your job, not ours. Now listen, this part may surprise some of you just a little. I don't think that any of us were ever meant to do life apart from God at any point from birth to death. Unfortunately, most people think it's normal. They think this is the normal. A person is doing life apart from God and then they discover someday, I think I need God. I, I begin to recognize I'm a sinner and I'm separated from God and I need to accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And guys, when that happens, when people discover that truth, it is amazingly cool. But I don't think it's ever what God meant. I don't think God ever really wants anyone to be separated from Jesus as their Savior and their Lord, ever. I had one of those really boring childhoods. I can't remember any time when I disbelieved in God. From birth, I was raised in a Christian home, Christian parents to believe in God, to do life with God, connected with the church. And so as a three-year-old, I loved God as a three-year-old should we got a bunch of three-year-olds here at Capital City who believe in God. And they know God loves them because their parents tell them that stuff. And that's what they hear here every Sunday, right? So they know that stuff. And they believe just fiercely. I think that's so cool. It's the way God meant it to be. I loved God as a six-year-old, the way a six-year-old should. I knew a few more of the Bible stories. I accepted the Christian values because my parents did. And my grandparents did. And my friends did. And my teachers did. And... And that's the way it's supposed to be. 
at the age of nine, I began to realize that it had to be my choice, just not my parents' choice. And so I chose to follow Jesus. And that's as it should be. And even though I was pretty ornery sometimes, I still believed in God in high school, college, almost walked away from him in grad school, but chose again to be a Jesus follower. And even though I'm still plenty ornery, and I'm still prone to push back on God, I hope I will keep choosing to be a Jesus follower until the day when I come face to face with him someday. See, I don't think I've ever really been outside the faith looking in, and I think that's how God meant for us to live. We were meant to do life as believers in God. We were meant to do life as Jesus followers. We were meant to be connected to God and the church from birth till death. Our two-year-olds should believe in God with the simplistic faith of a two-year-old. Our elementary school kids should be coming to the place where they decide to make their faith their own. Our junior and senior high school kids should start to discover what living like a Jesus follower looks like and feels like, that it's both hard and good. And our adults should have a faith that keeps on growing and maturing till the day they die. But way too often it doesn't happen that way. Too often our kids do not start out connected with God. And that was never God's heart. Too often, even when our kids start out connected with God, they drift. And that was never God's heart. Sometimes they drift because we live in a world that's at war with God and it tugs on us. And to be perfectly honest, there is in all of us this propensity to tell God to butt out. Sometimes we drift because we have an enemy, a Satan, who hates God and who does whatever he can to tear every single one of us away from him. Sometimes we drift away from God because those who are charged with starting us down that path, that life with God, for God, God's way, we don't do our jobs. And sometimes we parents and we grandparents, sometimes even we Christian parents and grandparents just don't get it done. Sometimes we fail as parents and grandparents because we actually buy into the farce that it's not our job to coerce our kids when it comes to religion. That's just stupid. We're willing to force our kids to eat their peas. We're willing to force our kids to go to bed when it's bedtime, to go to school, to do their chores. But somehow we think it's wrong to force our kids to go to church. It's insane. We parent our kids when it comes to less important things. And we refuse to parent our kids when it comes to our single most important responsibility before God. To start our kids on a path towards God, to prepare them for that day when they're going to stand before God. Guys, every one of us parents is going to profoundly shape our kids, whether we're intentional about it or not. Our kids are going to learn right and wrong just by watching us. They're going to learn how to be a man. They're going to learn how to be a woman by watching us. They're going to learn whether life with God matters by watching us. And it's going to happen fast. Did you know that by the first grade, by the first grade, a child has already accepted a set of fundamental core values. And those core values are going to influence their decisions for the rest of their life by the first grade. 
And did you know that by the first grade, a child's core personality has already taken shape? Some of that will be biology. Some of that's going to be the home. And then through the rest of their childhood, these core values are going to be fine-tuned and tested and shaped and refined, first by the parents, then by the schools, then by their friends, and sometimes we hope just a little bit even by the church. After childhood, it's going to take something really dramatic to change our personality or our core values. So did you know that if a child does not commit their life to God by elementary school, during that time when their core values are formed and shaped, their odds of ever becoming a serious Jesus follower plummet. And did you know that if a child doesn't commit their life to God by high school or college, their odds of becoming a serious Jesus follower seriously plummet even more? And did you know that if a child commits their life to God in elementary school, way too many of them start drifting away from God starting at about the age of 15. Too often we parents let them. We'll worry, we complain, sometimes we panic, and we point fingers of blame. And some of those people at whom we point our fingers of blame do share some of the blame. We point our fingers at a culture, at a world that is dragging our kids away from God. And guys, it is. We point our fingers at an education system that often drags our kids away from God, and oftentimes it does. We point our fingers at their friends who often drag our kids away from God, and often they do. Sometimes we even point our fingers at the church and complain that the church isn't doing their job. I never forget one of our student pastors coming to me one time, and he was just scolded viciously by a parent because their kid had gotten pregnant. Not by the student pastor. You see, in their eyes, if the student pastor had done his job, their kid wouldn't have sinned. <laughs> we get at most, at most, at most, two hours a week to help guide your kids. Most often, way, way less. How many hours do parents get, or kids' friends get, or the schools? See, guys, all we can do is help. All we can do is help. And what makes it almost infinitely harder is that so often parents blow us off. Guys, if your church family is not a priority for you, how can you ever expect it to be a priority for your kids? If connecting your kids to a church family is not a priority for you, why would you be surprised if they push the church away? And oftentimes God. Guys, it's not our job to get your kids started on a life with God. It's your job. It's parents, grandparents. All we can do is help, and we are going to try. We're going to do anything we can short of sin to help. Guys, we have some really, really great people working on our next-gen team here at Capital City. We've got a great strategy. We have a curriculum that we're following, and it's called Orange. Okay? We have some of the orange material on display in our foyer. I hope you parents and grandparents will kind of pause out there and take a look. It's a strategy that focuses on four life stages, preschool, elementary school, middle school, and high school. It's a strategy that tries to build a partnership between the church and the family. As Lisa's going to tell you in a minute, yellow represents the church, the light of the world. Red represents the family. And as we blend our influences together, it creates an orange strategy. See, we can't do it alone, but we can help. 
and we can help you do your part, which is what the Orange Curriculum is all about. A single, cohesive, birth-to-graduation strategy for raising healthy, God-honoring, Jesus-following kids, preparing them for that moment they're going to stand before God and preparing them for the best life in this world that they can live. Now we've got a little video here that walks through these four life stages. And after that I've asked Lisa, our children's ministry, to tell you a little bit more about our strategies. And then I just have a few more words to wrap this stuff up. Hear me? Oh, there I am. Doc has given me four minutes in exchange for four pounds of bacon, so I got to get going. If you're a student or you volunteer in student ministry, birth through high school, stand up. Look around, folks. I've heard people say that these are the future of the church, but I'm here to tell you they are the church. 
kids will lead their friends to Jesus. Students tell their friends about who God is. And the folks that are standing up, the adults, they're just showing our kids a little bit of love when they're here at Cap City. You guys can sit. Some of you anyway. Now stand up if you're a parent, grandparent, foster parent, step parent, or aunt or uncle. Wow. These folks are the ones that are on the front lines of raising Jesus followers. You are the biggest influence in the life of a child. You can sit down. The orange philosophy is this. Take the church, the light of the world, and think of it as the color yellow. Take the family, the heart, and think of it as red. When you combine the two in partnership, you get orange. Here's a little bit of information about how orange works here on the yellow side of things. Our orange philosophy is focused on teaching three basic truths to our kids during each phase of development. In preschool, we use stories and lessons to teach them about the wonder of their Heavenly Father and that God's big enough to handle anything they might face in life. They go like this, God made me, God loves me, Jesus wants to be my friend forever. When a child moves into elementary school, we want them to remember the wonder, but we add the discovery of a personal relationship with God and a passion that leads them to act as Jesus did on earth. We gear our teaching toward, I need to make the wise choice. I can trust God no matter what. I should treat others the way I want to be treated. In middle school, we think they've lost their minds and... On some level, they actually have. That's scientific. But we want them to embrace these truths. I will love God because he will never stop loving me. I will follow Jesus because he knows me better than I know myself. I will live out God's story so others can know who Jesus is. The final stage for kids is high school where they can question and embrace what they've been taught. We want them to know, I'm created to pursue a relationship with my creator. I trust what Jesus did to transform who I need to become. I exist to demonstrate God's love to those around me. On the red side of things, and remember that's the family side, we have some really cool stuff to share. We have separate Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for our preschool, elementary, and student ministries here at Cap City. These are listed on cards outside in the lobby with the displays that Doc mentioned. We send emails that share what we're doing at Cap City to our parents every week. And if you're not receiving them, check your spam folder or update your email with the church. Orange has this really cool app called the Parent Queue. Go to the app store on your phone right now and download it. It gives you personalized information on your kid based on their birth date, as well as providing discussion through prompts related to what they're learning here on Sunday mornings. And we have parent resource walls in preschool and elementary, and we plan to add one in the student area soon. The walls include new information on spiritual, physical, and moral development in each phase of a child's life and are updated regularly. And if you need more information, contact Jessica or me or another staff member. We want to assist you in developing Jesus followers who know what they believe and why they believe it. 
Thanks for your time this morning. You guys never clap when I get done. <laughs> These guys are good. Got a strategy. They work hard on implementing it. We're going to do the very, very best we can to assist you. Guys, every one of us knows how hard it is to be a parent, especially a Christian parent. And probably way too many of us know the pain that a parent or grandparent feels when a kid starts drifting away from God. Guys, my son Andy right now is a strong and courageous Jesus follower. He walked away from God for years. And I was afraid that he was going to stand before God one day facing heaven and hell. And he was going to go the wrong way. And I cannot tell you how much relief I felt and how much pride I felt when he came back to God with a seriousness that still takes my breath away. I know how hard it is to be a Jesus-following parent. Because sometimes our kids hate us for it. And that kills us. And a lot of times as parents, we're more tempted to be their friends than we are their parents. And I know that our culture ridicules us for brainwashing and coercing our kids with respect to our faith. Even though our culture is going to encourage us to brainwash and coerce our kids with respect to all kinds of comparatively little things. It's crazy. We are tasked by God to start our kids on a Jesus-following path. That is our number one job as a parent. And I know it's doubly hard to be a Jesus-following parent when so many of their friends are not being coerced with respect to their faith by their parents. And I know it's painful to be a Jesus-following parent when we realize that sometimes the choices we make for our kids are going to make our kids' lives harder for a time. It's hard, but it's our mission from God. It's a mission that we accepted when we chose to have kids, so we will not back off or back down or back out or backslide. We're Jesus followers and we're parents and we're on a mission from God to connect our kids to God for this world and for the next. That's God's truth. Here's his grace. Guys, we mess up a lot. If you're a reflective parent, I can't imagine that you wouldn't go back and think, I wish I had done this differently. I wish I had done this at all. All of us, if we had it to do over it again, would do it differently, I, I hope. Fortunately, we serve a God of infinite grace. He is amazing, absolutely amazing at start overs. We cannot undo the past. We can start over. And our God has an amazing power to raise something good out of the messes that we have made. Past is done. What matters today are the choices that you make from this day forward. Now, a little bit of a weird sermon this morning. We're actually winding down our summer staycation, and this is our student Sunday. And that's why I've preached on most of this stuff, but I'm also preaching in our series that we're calling Rooted. We're exploring what we're calling growth catalysts, growth catalysts. Growth catalysts are things that we can do to help us grow stronger as Jesus followers so we can grow into strong, God-loving, people-loving, life-loving people of God. I've told you before that out in the foyer you can see some of our growth catalysts, worship, connect, grow, and serve. 
A couple of weeks ago, we focused on connect. Last week, we focused on serve. Today is about growing. It's about growing. We're actually going to spend two weeks on this one. And there's a connection between our student Sunday and the Grow Catalyst. And I told you that our strategy for drawing Jesus-following kids is to create a partnership between the church and the home. There's a partnership that's there. You do your part at home. We'll do whatever we can here to help. Well, it goes exactly the same for our adults. Growth is a partnership. There's a part of it that we can do inside these walls, and there's a part of it that you're going to have to do outside these walls in your homes on your own. I'm going to mention just a few of the things that we're going to try to do to help. Next week, Todd's going to talk about what you can do outside these walls to grow your life with God. Now, we hope that what we're doing right here on our Sunday morning worship service is going to help. But what we do in this room is not going to be enough to grow you as a strong, fully mature, God-loving, people-loving, life-loving Jesus follower. So we're going to offer you some other good stuff to help you to grow. Stuff that I hope more and more of you will take advantage of. We've got some pretty good adult Bible fellowship classes here on Sunday mornings. We've actually got a class at 8.30, others at 9.30, others at 11 o'clock. There you can grow. We offer some pretty strong studies on Wednesday evenings. Todd Lane is our discipleship pastor, our growth pastor, and he works hard to make sure that there are classes every Wednesday evening that will help you go stronger, whether you're just looking, getting started, digging deeper, deeper, or all in. That's not all. Periodically, we offer other pretty incredible growth opportunities. Right now, our ladies are co-sponsoring a ladies' conference at Shelby Christian. And a few other Christians, uh, a few other churches are involved in that as well. There's going to be some great stuff there for you ladies. I think you can still register in the connections room. We've still got a couple of openings. In a month or so, we're going to be sponsoring a marriage conference. We're going to do whatever we can to help strengthen good marriages. Maybe jumpstart some struggling ones. You're going to see information on that in the next few weeks. We'll do our part, but you're going to have to do yours. You see, Jesus following isn't about a couple of hours, a couple of days a week. It's a 24-7 deal. And growing as a Jesus follower is going to require that you're going to develop some Jesus following habits outside these walls. That's what Todd's going to talk about next week. Now, one of those habits we have as Jesus followers is just to come here and celebrate the Lord's Supper every week. Every single week, we remind ourselves who we are, what we stand for. Every single week, we taste grace again because we just mess up a lot. Every week, you can come down here to this table as a Jesus follower and you can say, okay, there's a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ broken for me. There's a cup of juice that represents the blood of Christ shed for me. It's grace. He died in our place. And even when we mess up repeatedly as Jesus followers, he offers that grace all over again. And he can build something amazing out of the messes that we create. On these stations around the room, you're also going to see a, an offering box. That's where Jesus, people who call Capital City their home, that's where you offer your first part back to God. Then there's a white generous bucket. If you have a dollar or two you want to drop in there, every penny that goes in there is just going to go to love on people and take care of people. And it may be that there are some people in this room that you're thinking, okay, 
not despite the fact that the preacher's an old grunt. I'd kind of like to join this church family. And if you want to join this church family, you're welcome to come down here during this time. I'm going to be sitting right up front. I'd love to talk to you. Talked about making Capital City your home. And if you're not a Jesus follower yet, if you're not a Christian yet, guys, don't leave this room. Don't let this day pass without making Jesus Christ the king of your life. That's where life starts. That's where life starts that's going to end up in an eternity with God. So if you've got a decision to make like that, I'm going to be down front. Vern's over there. Todd's over here. John's somewhere around. We'd love to sit down and talk to you. Just come on down during this next time. We're going to be singing a song. During the song, you can come to the table here. You can come and talk to one of us.